Maybe it's just that you don't know how to use social courtesy. Oh, that's old-fashioned. Watch how Lizzie Post and Dan Post Senate act as host and hostess. They know that courtesy means showing respect, thinking of the other person, real friendliness. Hello! And welcome to Awesome Etiquette. Where we explore modern etiquette through the lens of consideration, respect, and honesty. On today's show, we take your etiquette questions on accepting people compliments, locker room hellos with co-workers, worrying about potential wedding guest behavior, and receiving cool congratulations from a close co-worker. Plus your most excellent feedback, etiquette salute, and a postscript segment on dating etiquette. For awesome etiquette sustaining members, your extra question of the week addresses anticipating curiosity about absent family at a wedding. You can listen to your ads-free version of the show with its extra question by downloading it at awesomeetiquette.emilypost.com. All that coming up. Awesome Etiquette comes to you from the very sunny studios of Vermont Public Radio and is proud to be produced in Burlington, Vermont by the Emily Post Institute. I'm Lizzie Post. And I'm Dan Post-Senning. It's, the weather's just been so gorgeous here. I'm loving every day. Are you loving every day? Yes. <laughs> I would say it's ridiculous, but it's not ridiculous. It's the way life should be. And we so deserve it after that winter that we had. Okay, so tell me, what do you like best about summer? I Oh, gosh. Well, first of all, I'm a big fan of driving through the, the lovely pastoral land in Vermont. So I'm a big fan of driving around and getting out to, like, Addison County and that kind of area. But I also just love, maybe it's my, my older age creeping in, but I love just sitting on my back porch. There's nothing going on, just Benny by my side, the cat's trying to claw to get out of the house. And it's just quiet and nice. You kind of hear what some people are up to. What's, a little shade, yeah, a, little a little breeze. Sh- a little shade, a little sun, a little breeze, a little privacy. It's like, oh, so nice. Please, cousin, tell me what the country version sounds like. Because you know that's where I want to get to in life is, is where you're at. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, that porch sounds nice. My version of summer relaxation is very similar. Yeah. It's sitting by the pond. Oh, I forgot you have a pond. We've done some clearing. We've cleared a lot of low brush and now I'm just enjoying the the fruits of that effort. I have a little lawn chair that I've left down there. (laughs) Dance chair. (laughs) I go sit. The sun goes down. It's usually the the peepers that tell me that little tiny tree frogs, right? Or little, are they, which, what kind of frogs are they? Pond frogs. They're pond frogs. Okay. And they're called peepers. We call them peepers here. I've spent so much time down there. I've gotten to know the frogs personally. I know which ones live in which little inlets around the pond. And then there's a couple varieties. There's the bigger ones and there's these little itty bitty ones. Have you started naming them? There's one in particular that I particularly like. He has this turquoise green face oh, and head. It's okay, really picture. remarkable. It's very blue. Cool. I know. I, I even went and asked a, a biologist friend who studies frogs and tortoises and amphibians. I said, but what's the deal with this blue-headed frog in my pond? He said, no, that's just a regular frog. They do that sometimes. They do that sometimes. You're like, man, I thought it was a special frog. <laughs> well, that sounds delightful. So instead of gone fishing, do you have like a gone ponding like what are you <laughs> gone sitting like pretty much I, I ordered a little tiny inflatable boat so if it's really super super hot i could just sit in it but it's, it's a tiny little pond yeah anisha comes down she's learned the word tadpoles oh there so are salamanders but she loves tadpoles loves tadpoles okay so you want to go to the pond tadpoles oh gosh that's so cute it's kind of ridiculous. <laughs> her favorite thing is to throw things in the water. I let her do it to a certain extent, but then I've got to go fish everything out. So <laughs> we try to minimize that game a little bit. It definitely feels like a, a slowing pace 
to life. It's nice. It's nice. I feel like work is hectic. There's a lot to do. And it is really nice to be able to really embrace those moments. Speaking of work that we have to do, we probably need to embrace this moment and get to the show. I think we should get to it. Especially because then we get to get to our porches and our ponds. Indeed. Awesome etiquette gets support from StoryWorth. There are some stories about your mom's life that you truly never get tired of hearing. From hilarious to heartfelt, tear-jerking to plot-twisting, mom's retelling of the events always brings a bit of joy. Just in time for Mother's Day, we here at Awesome Etiquette found the perfect gift that can capture all of your mom's stories for your family forever. It's called StoryWorth. StoryWorth helps you preserve precious memories and stories from your mom or a mother figure in your life for years to come. Here's how it works. Each week, StoryWorth emails your loved one a thought-provoking question that you get to help pick. What was your first job? Who was your first crush? (laughs) StoryWorth makes the writing process a breeze. All your loved one needs to do is to respond to the email prompt with a story. Long or short, it doesn't matter. I did this with my mom and it was really, really rewarding. You'll be emailed a copy of your loved one's responses as they're submitted over the course of the year. You'll get to enjoy their retelling of the stories, some you probably already know, or maybe the ones that you're surprised by you haven't heard before. (laughs) After that year of fun discovery and reminiscing, StoryWorth compiles your loved one's stories and photos into a beautiful keepsake hardcover book that you'll be able to share and revisit for generations to come. You can even keep a copy of the book for yourself. Give all the moms in your life a unique, heartfelt gift that you all will cherish for years. Story Worth. Right now, save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com slash manners. That's storyworth, S-T-O-R-Y-W-O-R-T-H dot com slash manners. It's manners with an S to save $10 on your first purchase. And now back to our show. Awesome Etiquette is here to answer your questions on how to behave. If you have a question for us, you can email it to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com or leave us a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. You can also hit us up on Twitter or Facebook. Just use the hashtag Awesome Etiquette so that we know you want your question on the show. Our first question is titled, Accepting People compliments. Uh, We had accepting dog compliments the other week. This one is about people compliments. Hello, I have two daughters. I am constantly being told that my younger daughter looks just like me, that she could be my twin. My older daughter looks just like my husband. So this is new to me. I'm never sure how to respond to this. Thanks feels weird because it's not necessarily a compliment. haha. Though hopefully it is. <laughs> I end up having to say, oh, I've been hearing that so much lately. How would you reply? Thanks for making such a wonderful, informative podcast. I look forward to it every week. Best, Andrea. Andrea, I just want to say I loved the haha and the, the notation of the possibility of this being a compliment. Or maybe not. I just thought. And that's not a knock on anyone's looks in the situation. It's just a funny thing when you have that intergenerational assumption that someone is actually of the same generation. I think it's an example of some self-awareness and some good humor yeah. that are actually the 
perfect tone to strike in response to this sort of a comment slash compliment. I thought so, too. I got to say, I think Andrea has the perfect sample script. I mean, like, that is right there. Oh, I've been hearing that so much lately. It doesn't qualify the other person's statement. Um, It doesn't judge it. Instead, it just responds with your own experience. I love it. With the right degree of cheeky good humor, you could say, oh, thank you. She's gorgeous, isn't she? (laughs) (laughs) I love it. You could play with that notion just a little bit. But no, you're you're absolutely right. You're in the safe territory by responding to a way that acknowledges the the portion of the, the comment that has to do with the resemblance. Totally. And really keeping the focus there. Some people love talking about family resemblance. They do. You could take the conversation further and explore that a little bit. Oh, her sister looks so much like her father. It's a treat for me to hear how much she looks like me or something like that. You could talk about the details or the particulars. I agree. I think she has my eyes, my nose, my chin, my cheekbones, (laughs) whatever it might be. But it's funny. She looks just like her father's cousin. brother's son. <laughs> and Grandmother. <laughs> yeah. Family resemblance, I find it really fun. Mm-hmm. I, I I like looking at people. I like noticing. I think it actually shows interest and attention. Mm-hmm. Some people are less interested in having this conversation. I think it's perfectly okay to steer it in another direction. I also. always thought that my sister Anna got very Emily-like eyes, these big, beautiful, open eyes. And, you know, it's like she gives this look that every now and again I feel like we've seen we've seen that from Emily and it, it resonates. And your little daughter, I see your mother in her pop out all the time. I'm like, oh, my gosh, that's like a little tiny mini Cindy Bo setting. <laughs> I see a lot of Cindy in her, too, but I think it's the curly brown I, hair. You're right. No, you are right. face looks so much like her mother. No, it's true. Her face does look so much like her mother. Andrea, we think you're right on target with keeping the discussion just about the connection as opposed to the specific qualities that that might imply or any judgment on the particular comment itself. Way to have some awesome etiquette. But there's one more thing that I'd like to say, and that is don't copy. Not hairstyles or mannerisms or anything else. Not from anybody. After all, each of you is an original. Our next question is about locker room hellos. Hi, Lizzie and Dan. I've been listening to the show for a few months now, and I cannot say how much I appreciate it. The laughs, cringes, and thoughtful moments it brings to my week are truly a treat. After hearing all the listeners writing in to tell you how much they enjoy the older episodes, I've even started listening from the beginning. Here is my situation. I go to a gym that is a few blocks away from where I work. As my employer is a large corporation and one of the larger companies in this part of town, we have a deal with the gym for those that wish to patron it. Though the deal is very generous, the monthly fee is still high enough that there are a relatively small number of employees that choose to go there, and thus no established way to handle my situation. I know a few men that I work closely with that go there and feel comfortable interacting with them. Where I am less sure is when I see people I do not know with my employer's gear, ID badge, water bottle, etc., especially if they are ladies. My gym has a very open locker room where changing out in the open and walking to the shower in your birthday suit are not uncommon. My question for you is this. What is appropriate gym and locker room etiquette with your coworkers? If I see someone with my company's gear, should I introduce myself? Without interrupting their workout, obviously. I feel okay doing this with men, as I know I will not have to share a shower or sauna with them. What do I do with fellow ladies in the gym? 
I would love to get to know them as I admire their dedication and workout routines, but introducing myself at the squat rack and then seeing them in the locker room seems like it might be awkward. I am by no means shy, but something about seeing someone in their birthday suit and a professional suit when we aren't close friends just seems like it has potential to make work awkward. Is this a real concern, or am I just stuck in my head? Do we pretend not to know we work for the same company and cross that bridge if we ever sit across a meeting room from each other? Thank you for taking my question, and I look forward to your responses. Sincerely, pretending not to know. Lizzie Post, what do you think? Ha ha ha, you toss in the women's locker room birthday suit question to your female cousin. I'm curious. <laughs> okay. Um, this is one where I would definitely introduce myself, but I would not do it in the birthday suit moment, which I think our, our listener already is in that that camp. But the first question was just about, you know, at the gym in general. And I think you're absolutely right. Without interrupting their gym routine, I think recognizing that you both work in the same place, you have the same type of badges or water bottles or, you know, company gear that comes with you. Absolutely fine. Oh, you work at XYZ Company too. Wonderful. What department are you in? Or my name's so-and-so. It's a pleasure to meet you. I hope you're enjoying the gym workout. I've been loving it. And maybe that's it. Maybe that's the only exchange. Perfect business social behavior. You acknowledge those common connections. And who knows, maybe you start to grow a relationship that is a positive work relationship. Exactly. I really love pretending not to know's uh, approach to thinking about, no, wait a second. There's a whole part of this gym experience that involves often, you know, getting clean after your workout and birthday suits and people talk in locker rooms. And some people are very comfortable changing out in the open. Other people are not. These are spaces where you are supposed to be able to do this for the most part. Most locker rooms at a gym, that's it's likely that you will see someone in the buff. And so it's not an uncommon thing and you shouldn't feel uncomfortable about your own choice of exposure. But I wouldn't start up conversations when folks are just in a towel or or completely in the nude. And I would try to give some privacy around those moments, especially when you're in those early days of getting to know these ladies at the gym. I know that some of the women I golf with uh, go into the um, into the restrooms to change or into the stalls to change, and others are fine, you know, doing whatever within the locker room. And you can always kind of pay a little bit of attention to that, just enough to give people their space and privacy and to be aware of that. But I think trying not to stand there while you're in the buff all casual, having a conversation about what might have happened at the office the other day in the other department or, you know, oh, the cafeteria got news, such and such. That's probably not the first interaction I would try to have. And it doesn't sound like our listeners wanting to have that type of interaction. I was having a very similar thought Okay, that I think questions about privacy and discretion are often answered in a very personal way. What are you comfortable with? But there is an element of thinking about other people's comfort. And I think reading other people's cues and signals is important. You might be totally comfortable, but if you pick up that someone else isn't or are somehow getting a signal that that someone else is uncomfortable with something, I think it's okay to moderate your own behavior just a little bit. Absolutely. I don't think you need to feel ashamed or embarrassed, but you can read those cues, try to pay attention. I think that that makes sense. That's good common sense. If you are someone that prefers a little more privacy, I think availing yourself of those options is also completely reasonable. I was also thinking about advice that I give men frequently, which is that you manage your gaze. Mm -hmm. That you pay attention to 
your own attention and where you direct it and that gyms really are places where people come to work out. They want to keep the focus on that and it's nice when it provides a social atmosphere where relationships can grow but that's usually not the primary purpose and anything that you can do that contributes to that primary purpose staying the primary purpose is often appreciated by other people. So sometimes respecting someone's privacy is just about going about your business and not giving them too much attention. And the final thought I want to leave us with is don't be discouraged if some people aren't aren't interested in striking up the gym friendship. Some people are trying to move on and get to the next event in the day, and that is not to be taken personally. That's them and their schedule. Or if they aren't wanting to have a, a gym friendship with someone outside of the office, then, you know, like Dan was just saying, read those cues so that you can understand their comfort levels. And you'll figure out who's going to end up being someone you might have a workout buddy with or even a really great friendship with and who would rather kind of keep that uh, work and work out relationship separate. I would conclude this question by saying enjoy that subsidized membership. I'm so jealous. I am too. One day, man. One day. (laughs) We can do it. And it isn't hard to be courteous. That's another way to be friendly. And you never can tell just how much a new friendship is going to mean to you. Our next question is titled, Questioning Wedding Guests. Hi, Lizzie and Dan. I'm a new listener and loving the show, especially as I prepare to get married this September. Congratulations! I am trying to be mindful and tactful around social situations. My question is in regards to a guest and their behavior. My younger sister and I have had a lot of tension in the past year or so since I was engaged in February of 2017. Namely, it's because she was quickly engaged in 2016 and it didn't end up working out. And since then, she has been hurt by my engagement and that I am getting married first, even though I'm four years her senior. Because of this, we stopped talking for about six months and recently started talking again. Yay! My question is in regards to her new boyfriend. By the way, the yay was actually written in there. I know often we respond, but that was actually in there. My question is in regards to her new boyfriend. She met him while we were on the outs, so I don't know him very well. I recently met him at my parents' house. I have to admit I was disappointed by his behavior. Getting drunk, nonviolent swearing, being loud and obnoxious. His behavior seemed to stem from drinking, and my sister did not speak up when he was being rude. If he would act like this after recently meeting my parents and me, I can only imagine what will happen at our open bar wedding. Is it appropriate for me to talk to my sister about his behavior? Worried bride. This is tricky. I wrote tricky, tricky. 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 I'm going to add a tricky to it. It was tricky, tricky, tricky. This is such sensitive territory. Super delicate. I was going to start our answer and my thinking about this with the idea that I'm I'm detecting here an implied granting of a plus one to the sister. That, uh, oh, that like the sister, even if this boyfriend wasn't around, we'd probably be giving her a plus one anyway just to see if she wanted to bring a friend or if she wanted to bring a new beau. Like anybody really could fill that space. I mean, I had a plus one to my sister's wedding and it was, yeah, you know, in fact, it got filled like the day of the wedding. <laughs> Exactly. That oftentimes that happens with very close family. Yeah. People that are very closely connected to the wedding in some way are 
thought of as having that permission to bring a plus one. And particularly if there's a new boyfriend in the mix, someone who's, if they're still around by the time this wedding happens, probably not going to be quite such a new boyfriend anymore. And they're a boyfriend who's met the parents and been introduced to the family. It's a courtesy. Absolutely. Here comes the tricky part. (laughs) The tricky, tricky, tricky part. (laughs) When you give someone a plus one, it's really their choice who that plus one is. So it's hard to say I will give you a plus one, but I'd rather you didn't use it for this person Mm -hmm. or I would appreciate you managing this person in a certain way. That is a a very delicate conversation. It's not that you can't have it, (laughs) but it's potentially really offensive. And I think that you have to proceed with caution and that awareness. This is one where it's not only the how that matters, it's going to be the who that matters. And I'm really grateful to Worried Bride for telling us about her fallout with her sister and how her sister's been receiving the wedding because it does give quite a lot of perspective. And I think that the parents are the ones who are going to have to deal with this issue. It feels like it is not the right button for Worried Bride to push on her own. And I think that her own desire to have her wedding go smoothly would It's very hard to not have that be your leading thought when trying to communicate to your sister. And your sister in this moment is going to need, it seems like, based on kind of the history of the past year, a lot of support in in getting to the idea that, no, the boyfriend shouldn't be there. Or that if the boyfriend comes, we really need to manage the drinking because what happened at mom and dad's was not appropriate. Um, and if that's the way everybody feels, I mean, that's a good check-in. Did mom and dad feel this way about the the parent meeting? That's also another just important thing to ask yourself, worried bride, is check in with your folks and ask if they thought it was egregious behavior. I'm guessing that they did, but... That hadn't occurred to me, and I really like that idea. <laughs> just it, in case. Sort of build a little bit perspective. of... Perspective. <laughs> perspective, community consensus, yeah. and the message might be easier for your sister to hear coming from her parents. There's a certain authority to that. And they also don't have the history that was part of this question. I really like that idea. I have a question for you. Okay. I have a couple questions for you. I've got so much on this topic. (laughs) One thought I had was you could offer your sister the out of you could not have a plus one. If she shares the concerns about the potential behavior or just wouldn't want to be responsible for managing him, you could tell her that she could tell well, let me, the yeah, boyfriend like, that she doesn't have a plus one? I get what you're manipulating here, cuz. I get what you're manipulating. What if we first went to the idea that typically a sibling is someone you would give a plus one to, but you don't have to. That's the reality. Mm-hmm. You don't have to. And there's been a lot of planning and guest lists have been set. And you would want to accommodate in a situation where it was really positive. I'm not sure you have to accommodate in a situation where it's not. That might be something mom and dad might help, you know, kind of draw the line on uh, for for the sister in this situation. But that just was another like rather than kind of go the like, hey, you don't have to invite your boyfriend who didn't do a great job meeting mom and dad to the wedding. I don't think that's going to land right. I I was thinking about it in the spirit of you could (laughs) offer that out if she was looking for an out. Do you like how I just totally like negatively squashed your approach? It was a positive approach. I liked the idea. But I know I recognize how how tricky that (laughs) That territory is. And and I don't think that's the the advice (laughs) that that I would offer. Another thought I had. Give me another one. You kind of mentioned it when you were talking about the parents. And I was also thinking about this is the the backup plan idea Mm -hmm. that you – just put a strategy in place for 
running a little distraction or diversion. If things start to get out of hand, you have someone who's prepared to intervene. If mm-hmm. things got really out of hand, it's not a bad idea to have something like this in mind for a wedding anyway where there's an open bar. But mm-hmm. if you are aware that there's a potential problem, is that too much laying a trap for someone? Is that just good wedding planning? What do you think? Well, I'm thinking about weddings, you know, and and we don't know whether the sister is in the wedding party or if there's even a wedding party. But typically family members have many more call to action moments and, and, you know, like duties and tasks during the wedding. I'm worried that he's going to be left alone, not knowing anyone in this family that well yet, and will park himself at the bar. I mean, this is a lot of assumption I'm doing right now, but park himself at the bar because he he doesn't know the other family members that well. He might not have friends at the wedding. He might, which would be potentially great if he does. Um, well, because it could also be potentially an enabler for more drinking. But I think that that's a reality is that the sister probably isn't going to have a lot of time. If she is, let's just put her in the role of like maid of honor or at least in the bridal party. She's not going to have as much time to manage a, a situation. And so I think part of what we have to discover is Was this like a one-off, meet the parents, I was nervous and embarrassed and managed to make it 10 times worse for myself and my girlfriend situation? Or is it, no, we're going to have to watch out for this. It's not a smart idea. You're barely going to be able to spend that much time with them aside from sitting with them at dinner and then doing this. And even depending on how the tables go, I mean, you just don't know. It's like... I think there's a lot of question marks here that Worried Bride should probably be discussing with her folks and her fiancé and addressing her concerns there so that we can then find, and this is the part I wanted to get to, the way to really cushion the the younger sister. Because um, a failed engagement is really not a fun thing, let me tell you. And it's painful and it's very hard to see someone so close to you going through the happiness that you had planned on that then didn't happen. And we don't know whether the engagement failed for reasons that were good for the sister or not. But it's it didn't work out. And that's a disappointment. And it is going to be hard. And I firmly believe that she should be bucking up and supporting her sister, the bride, completely. But I also know that not everyone has the emotional capacity to do that every time and in the amount of time that they're going to be at the wedding for. That's like a 10, 12-hour day for bridal party attendance. And so it's like I really want us to deal with acknowledging and validating and working through worried bride's worries with her family and her fiancé. But giving the sister the space from that conversation until we know the action plan that we're just simply going to take with it. And I think that as a as parents who are hosts, probably I'm guessing, again, a lot of assumptions here. I think that's probably a good plan. I think you're getting to the place that I was imagining our advice concluding, which is that you've got an action plan for the wedding itself, that the focus of which is allowing the bride and the groom to enjoy and celebrate their day, mm-hmm. that it would not be the first time there was a wedding where there was a guest who was potentially going to be troublesome or was just a bit of a bore or wasn't someone that everybody at the wedding particularly liked. And a lot of weddings have happened and been successful, happy, positive experiences for the vast majority of people while still accommodating a troublesome guest. And yep. that might be something that you are working through and hopefully you can do that in your planning. And then when the day comes, the focus can really stay on that special day, on the experience that you want to have. 
without becoming too big of a distraction. I agree. But worried, Bride, I, I do want you to feel reassured. We are encouraging a result that gets you the wedding of your dreams. Good luck with this very tricky situation. I mean, there's no excuse for drinking under any conditions. That's just what I've always thought. Drinking's just about the worst thing you can do. Hey, now, wait a minute. This question is about cool congratulations. Four weeks ago, I was offered a chance at a promotion for what is basically my dream position and was told it is possible they would not have to make the posting public. As far as I've been told, I was singly approached for this role because I applied six months ago to a nearly identical position. And while I was not selected at that time, multiple hiring managers let me know it was a close decision. Since being approached last month, HR has been investigating whether or not the position would need to be opened up any further to allow a chance to other applicants. And today I learned that it was determined the position does not need to be formally posted. During this process, I've kept this information close, as the whole situation seemed very uncertain. However, it seems someone shared with a close circle in our office that I will likely step into this opening, to the point where a few co-workers have quietly shared their congratulations, to which I quickly relayed the continuing uncertainties and relayed that I'm only uncertain, and all I've done is confirm my continued level of interest. Around the same time, a colleague who has been a close and enjoyable work partner has suddenly acted very distant and become increasingly short with me. During the last application process, this colleague seemed hurt that I had not confided in him, and so this time I made a point to let him know after I was aware that the cat was halfway out of the bag, so to speak. Unfortunately, confiding in him does not seem to have changed his attitude or interactions with me. He and I share the same title at present, currently share an office, and I value this relationship. While he previously had declared he has no interest in a new position like this, I get the sense that he feels spurned and betrayed. I have until tomorrow to let HR know whether or not I will formally accept this offer, which I fully intend to do. It's a great opportunity that I've worked towards over a number of years. Should I make additional efforts to find out what is bothering my colleague and or make amends? Or is it better to let things cool off, knowing there may be a risk of further damaging this relationship? Signed, Confounded Colleague. Oh, Confounded Colleague. It sounds like your coworker and office mate is disappointed to be losing you. I was wondering I'm about doing that. a lot of assumption today. They could be envy. This is a funny thing, is that people aren't always envious the way we might think that they are. And I don't get the sense that, that Confounded Colleague thinks this person is jealous. But they're acting differently now, and that could be out of disappointment to be losing you as an office mate. It could be that they just don't feel as ambitious as they are seeing you be, and so they're now kind of thinking about their own self-worth and drive and this and that. So while the answer of, no, I really don't want that position or I'm not trying to go that career path may be very, very true. There may be other emotions that are coming up. They might be really worried about the colleague that's going to move into the office space with them. All those things could be why you're getting a little bit of a cold, salty response from them. I think it depends on like the, the nature of your relationship, whether you can kind of Say a little something, and there are some pe- you and I, cuz, will definitely do something. When I'm not ready to talk to Dan about what I'm mad at him for, I give him really short answers. Yep, got it. No. Okay, I gotta go. I don't Bye. do anything like that to you ever. Ever. Either. Never, never. Either. Never. No. And it's really great because over the years, we've developed a language of saying, okay, you're doing the thing with the short answers. Do you need the space or do you want to talk about it? And 
it really helps the two of us get through the emotional and say, you have a space to do this. Are you ready to? Do you want to? And we answer that truthfully. Nope, I need to stew about it for longer. Okay, fine. Then let's at least get our work done. Okay, fine. (laughs) Or, you know, this is what's going on. And so you might be able to say something like, hey, Stavros, anything to matter? You've been a little less peppy than your usual office self today. I know that some folks have written in with questions about not liking questions like that because it's assumptions of attitude based on demeanor. But I think we also have to recognize that your demeanor is part of what communicates you to the rest of the world. And so let's be responsible with that demeanor and own up to it when it's it's not a positive one. I think that the instinct to just let it cool off, revisit it later, is a reasonable instinct to honor. If that's really the feeling that you're getting yeah. – Take a look. Ask yourself, am I avoiding it? Would I like to do this? Is it the best move with this person to just let this blow over? Then I think you can you can listen to that voice in your own head tell you that that's the right decision to make. There's nothing wrong with making that choice. If you do decide to talk to them, you can soften the blow. Say exactly what you've said to us. I value you. I value this relationship. I have so yeah. appreciated the time we've spent together. It is easy to forget that those assumptions that you think are so obvious and so clearly a part of the foundation of your relationship are as apparent to someone else. If there is part of that emotional stew that your colleague is feeling that has to do with just missing you, worrying about you being gone, wondering about the nature of your relationship in terms of how much he was involved in your decision to move on, just starting off by squaring that might be a good way to proceed into that other part of the conversation where you're addressing some of those other complicated emotions my cousin was talking about totally. that much easier. Totally, totally. Confounded colleague, congratulations on yeah. getting your dream job. That is an awesome thing to have achieved, and we hope you enjoy it. Thank you for your questions. Please send us updates, comments, or feedback on our answers to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. You can leave us a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. You can also reach us on Twitter or Facebook. Just use the hashtag awesomeetiquette so that we know you want your question or feedback on the show. Sustaining members, please remember to put sustaining member in your question. Each week, we like to hear your thoughts about the questions we answer and the topics we cover. And we had two thoughts from different listeners regarding the question in episode 197, where a coworker thought a colleague was in a company photo and commented on the child in the photo to the colleague, only to learn it wasn't this colleague's child or this colleague after all. I believe that the colleague in question didn't even have children. So it was kind of one of those, oh my gosh, what kind of a gaffe did I just make? Um, And we had two really interesting perspectives. Dan, do you want to give us the first one? Hi, Lizzie and Dan. I was just listening to episode number 197, and I have some food for thought. This is in regards to the woman that commented on a colleague mistaking her for someone else. A case when this may deserve more than a light apology would be to take race into consideration. It is worth being aware that if a white individual is commenting that someone of another race looks just like a coworker, this could be a reason for someone feeling affronted. It is something that white privilege often prevents us from thinking about at first blush. Even unintentional comments such as, they could be twins, can be hurtful. Of course, I have no idea if this was the case, but it's what popped into my head. 
Thank you, as always, for your gentle guidance and encouragement to be our best selves. I really want to thank our listener for delivering this feedback in just such a wonderful way and taking into account that we we really don't know because we weren't given any information about appearances in the question. And I like posing both opportunities, that this could have been a reason and it also might not have played a part. And I think that it is so important for us to remember that seemingly innocent comments and questions can really be perceived differently. And the the next comment that follows is a camp that I fall into quite often. And so it's just funny how we just don't, we're living our lives. We're in our worlds experiencing things the way that we experience them. And it really takes quite a lot sometimes to stop and take a minute and think, oh, wait, that might really be different for someone else. There's a lot of really common questions that, you know, some people are like, boy, that's a question I have to tolerate a lot or that makes me feel othered. And it's really important as we grow as a culture to embrace all of our perspectives and and really try to find the common ground and the big the big 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 lesson that most of this boils down to is it's best not to assume I was also really appreciative of this comment. I thought it, it raised a point that had popped into my mind also when I heard this question. Yeah. And we didn't get into this particular aspect of it because it wasn't explicit. This may or may not have been a factor in this particular situation. Right. But if it was, I definitely think that would be something you'd want to take into consideration as you thought about how you were going to offer an apology or make amends or try to remedy the situation. Indeed. Thank you so much for this piece of feedback. We really appreciate it. Our other piece of feedback on the same question begins, Hello, Awesome Etiquette. I love your show, particularly the scripts you provide to handle awkward situations. I would like to respond to your answer relating to the person who accidentally asked a colleague at work about a son she does not have. As a single and childless woman... I've often been in situations where I've had to address well-meaning questions about my marital status or children. I try not to take these questions personally, but sometimes it's hard to bear up against the weight of the constant assumption that someone of my age has met these milestones. These questions were particularly difficult at a time in my life when I had recently ended a long-term relationship and was dealing with the onset of early menopause. Having a husband and children were something I deeply wanted, and having to answer even innocent questions about it was both painful and awkward for me. Our culture assumes that marriage and children are cultural norms. It's natural to be curious about people's lives. But Better advice when it comes to speaking with people you don't know is to show interest in them personally rather than the status they gain by marriage or having children. They will let you know if children or family is something they want to share about. This is particularly important in the workplace where discrimination on the basis of family or marital status is not just a matter of etiquette but protected by law. Employers are not legally permitted to ask questions about children or marital status in interviews, so the wisest course of action for employees is to leave the discussions of marital or family status outside the workplace unless invited to do otherwise by their colleagues. Thank you for allowing us to discuss these issues on your awesome show, Sarah. Sarah, thank you for 
this piece of feedback also, this is something that we teach about and talk about when we're discussing conversation skills or business etiquette. And I really appreciate this very personal perspective on the way we discuss issues around family and children and people's personal lives because it is really personal and it does matter to people. And you can't just assume that everybody's comfortable talking about it. You've got to be particularly careful with those prying or probing questions unless someone's opened the door and invited that conversation. It's really true. It, it really is. I deal with this one in particular all the time. And much like Sarah, I'm someone who would who would like a partner and would like children. And there are so many days where just like her, you're just like, no, I don't No, Oh, no. Oh, get surprised. That's not the way it is in my life. And and you're fine with it. And it really is fine. And then. There are those days where it just hits you harder and you don't have the capacity to give the good answer. And I'm like, why would you assume that? It's like, oh, well, everyone always assumes, don't they? And it's amazing how quickly you can go to that, you know, place of let me stick it to you and remind you that the world is not the way you think it is. And we've grown up since the 1950s. It's not appropriate for me to do that to someone who had a very innocent, well-meaning question. But what I do like to do is say, spread word in my conversation with friends and family that this is something to be aware of and that this isn't always the most polite question to default to and um, to not just assume that just because a woman is a pretty woman that she should be with somebody or that just because a guy is a great provider that he needs to have a family to provide for. I'm loving our assumption topic today that keeps coming back. And I want to really thank all of our audience for bringing up and being willing to share their personal stories and personal thoughts about it. Our final piece of feedback today came from someone who stopped me in the hall at work the other day. This was a a, a co-worker from a a neighboring business who listens to the show and had just just listened to our show where we talked about dog compliments, pet owners (laughs) receiving compliments from their dogs. And he... No, not from the dogs, about the dogs. (laughs) Pardon me, about their dogs. And he attempted to use one of our super cheesy sample script replies and actually delivered it because he just listened to the show that morning. What was it? I, I I didn't get that detail, but he said he felt so cheesy delivering it. He then had to stop himself and explain that he had just listened to a show. <laughs> and I told him that I thought his good humor was perfect, that he should take a bow. And that <laughs> I think Lizzie Post should take a bow because I think it was your cheesy sample. I script. don't know. It's sounding like it didn't work. <laughs> but it kind of did because okay, it gave good. him a perfect response that he, he acknowledged didn't sound like it came from him, but also equipped him in the moment to deal with a situation that actually did come up. I love it. I love it. Thank you to everyone who shared thoughts and updates. Please do keep them coming. You can send your next comment or update to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com or leave us a message or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. time for our postscript segment where we dive deeper into a topic of etiquette and today's postscript getting right back into the dating life is on dating etiquette and we had some tips found in our big book of etiquette the 19th edition um these are these are kind of amended from this section but uh if you want to want to learn a bit more or see what's in the book it's on page 371 and i really love the first one cuz tell us about it 
So it begins before it ever begins. Right. <laughs> it begins with a self-appraisal, an honest self-appraisal. You can ask yourself questions like, where are you in your dating life? What are you looking for? Honestly, you get to choose what this part of your life will be like. For the most part, there are right. going to be two people involved, but <laughs> but this is about the mental preparation. This is about you figuring out what it is you want and figuring out what it is that you really want will empower you and allow you to communicate that clearly. Try to avoid judging yourself. Be honest. Be yourself. It's a great place to begin. Absolutely. Our next point is to communicate what you've now discovered about yourself honestly. There's nothing worse than going on a date with someone only to learn They are not actually available for the type of relationship that you are looking for. The person you'd like to date might be someone you really desire. They might be someone that you think is really cool or interesting. But if they want something very different in terms of a structure of a a dating or or committed or or not committed life with you, then I think it's really important that, that you be honest about that, that, hey, there's a connection here, but it really looks like we want something different. So it's important to actually say those words of, oh, gosh, I'm having a great time, but it really does sound like we're looking for different things. Or, you know, I know myself well, and while I like you very much, I really feel like we are on different paths and I should really keep my focus on my path. We also want to remind everyone to be realistic. No one is perfect. One or two oops in the etiquette department does not a deal breaker make. Although there are some etiquette faux pas that are deal breakers for any of us. Anyone can be nervous. In fact, it's natural and normal to be nervous on a first date. It's tough to navigate all those expectations we have of each other and of ourselves. Mm -hmm. But if you're looking for perfection from yourself or someone else, that is a recipe for disappointment. Remember, not everyone falls in love at first sight or Lizzie's little uh, fun one or first swipe. (laughs) Communicate beyond your intentions of what type of relationship you're looking for. This is the time to get to know someone when you're on that first date, when you are, you know, writing back and forth to each other. If you're doing the the online or some kind of an app dating system, ask questions, be prepared to share stories and experiences about your life. Again, you don't want to be telling them an entire audiobook's worth of material. (laughs) And you also don't want, you know, to be only interviewing the other person. But find that balance. Um, Using things like our three tiers of conversation is a good framework to think of things that are soft, easy topics to start with. What kind of sports do you like? What kind of books do you read? Do Do you read? You know, are you into gaming? There's tons of great questions that you can ask and not have them just turn into an interview. And you also don't have to feel like you have to rattle off a list of your like 25 most interesting facts about yourself. But have a few in your pocket to talk about and remember to listen to the other person. It's an important part of communication. I like that communication comes up twice. It's I know. Like it's tip two, two tip different four. Places. Yeah. About what you want and about who you are. Tip five. Tip five. Respect at all costs. Absolutely. If this person isn't someone you'd like to see again, even if you realize halfway through your date, you can still respect that you agreed to go out together and finish the date well. <laughs> I'm thinking of that question we had the other week. It, it, of course, comes to mind. This does not mean you have to feign interest or stay in a situation that's making you uncomfortable, but it does mean carrying on polite conversation and not continuing to give signal after signal after signal that you're not interested. Like checking your phone or huffing or not making eye I've had people do that before where they're not interested and so they just stop making eye contact for the rest of the meal and you're like, well, uh, 
Awkward. Uh, super awkward. <laughs> Take us out, because... Our final is very similar, but it is be gracious. Regardless of your level of interest, graciously ending the date is the key to moving on smoothly, whether that is on to another date or on to other people. Sincerely thanking someone simply for taking the time and showing interest is always gracious, even if you're not interested in the person at all. The world of dating is tricky and fun, and there are all kinds of emotions associated with it. But the more that we can give each other just a little bit of latitude and be really considerate and respectful and honest, I think the more love there's going to be in the world. I like it. We like to end our show on a high note. So we turn to you to hear about the good etiquette you're seeing and experiencing out in the world, and that can come in so many forms. Today we hear from Smiling Shopper. Hi, Lizzie and Dan. Thanks so much for your great work. I find that listening to your podcast helps restore my faith in a world that can feel so harsh, mean-spirited, and uncivil sometimes. Every Monday, I look forward to taking a vacation in Vermont for an hour. I never miss a show. Welcome to Vermont. (laughs) I'm excited to be writing with an etiquette salute. I had an experience in the grocery store today that stopped me in my tracks and had me smiling for several minutes. I live in a very large city on the West Coast, and I happened to be at the store on a Friday at 5 p.m., rush hour at Whole Foods. As I approached the stack of shopping baskets, another person got there at the same second. I stopped to wait for her to get her basket first. She pulled one off the stack and, much to my surprise, smiled, handed it to me, and said, Here you go. I was so touched by her kindness and struck by what a big impact it had on me. It was a great reminder that even seemingly simple gestures can have a huge effect. It didn't cost her a thing, and it made my day. What a great reminder to me to keep finding ways to spread kindness. We need it now more than ever. Warm regards, smiling shopper. This is one of the things I was imagining when I first heard, actually, Lizzie Post come up with the idea of an etiquette salute as a way to end our show on a high note. (laughs) Sometimes it's about a particular thanks to a particular person Mm -hmm. who's really gone out of their way or who set an example for you. And other times it really is about those little acts of kindness that keep this world a happier, better place. Thanks for sharing, Smiling Shopper. Thank you. And please, please, please send us your etiquette salutes. We need more of them. You can text them. You can leave us a voicemail. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter. You can mail them in if you want to write us a card. We would love them. But they really are one of the best parts of this show. And we want to be inundated with them. Thank you for listening. Thank you to everyone who has already sent us something. You can send your next question, comment, or salute to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. Leave us a message or text at 802-858-KIND. On Twitter, I'm at Daniel underscore post. I'm at Lizzie A. Post. That's Lizzie with an I-E. On Facebook, we're Awesome Etiquette and the Emily Post Institute. Consider helping us out by becoming a sustaining member. You do this by visiting awesomeetiquette.emilypost.com. You can also subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app and leave us a review. Our show is edited by Chris Albertine. Thanks, Thanks Chris. Chris.